0: Hi everybody, welcome to New Zealand Vegan Podcast episode 114, I'm your host Elizabeth Collins, this is a very, very exciting, exciting episode, I am so thrilled to have my guests on the show today. I have Gary L. Francione and Anna Charlton and we're going to talk about their book that they have just recently written called Eat Like You Care, An Examination of the Morality of Eating Animals. I just want to introduce them, Um, Gary Francione is a professor of law and philosophy at Rutgers University in Newark, New Jersey and the Nicholas D. B. Katzenbach Scholar of Law. And um, Anna Charlton is an adjunct professor at Rutgers University as well. And she ran the Animal Rights Law Clinic at Rutgers University from 1990 to 2000. They have many years of collaboration in animal rights. Um, they've wrote a book that was a guide for students who are studying medicine and and veterinary services called vivisection and dissection in the classroom and that was um, a guide to conscientious objection which was the first book that was co-written that was in 1992 and they have recently written this wonderful book eat like you care an examination of the morality of eating animals it is making huge waves through the animal rights and vegan community because of its incredible nature and so we're going to talk about that. Welcome so much. i so glad to have you on the show today.
1: Hi, we're happy to be with you. Thank
2: you Elizabeth, it's good to be here.
0: Absolutely thrilling to have you. So firstly, I just wanted to first of all ask you both, when and how did you come up with the idea for this book?
1: Well, um, I think we wanted to we wanted to do something that was really accessible uh, I mean, I've tried over the years uh, in my academic writing to not make it difficult or inaccessible. Um, but the reality is that um, if you've got a book with footnotes or with a lot of you know with a lot of sources and and um, uh, and you're talking about philosophy in any explicit way uh, or law, people tend to uh, find that intimidating. And, uh, and what we wanted to do with this book was present what we thought was a really simple argument uh, in, in that everybody objects to inflicting unnecessary suffering and death on non-human animals. Everybody does. And, um, and so we basically started from that point and, and said, look, if you agree with that, and everybody does, you don't even have to go further than that. You don't even have to believe that there's some sort of equality, uh, which we believe exists, but you don't have to believe that there's inequality between um, humans, the the lives of humans and non-humans. You don't have to believe that. You don't have to believe that. You don't have to embrace animal rights. You don't have to believe or embrace this notion of equality. All you need to do is to believe that Uh, that it's morally wrong to inflict suffering and death on animals without a good moral justification. And we explore what a good moral justification means in that we all reject inflicting suffering and death on animals for reasons of pleasure, amusement, or convenience. And we say, look, that belief in and of itself, you know, commits you to the idea that you can't eat animal products anymore. You can't eat meat. You can't eat dairy. You can't eat eggs. You can't eat animal products anymore, and um, and that once you get to that point, once you see that you have a moral obligation not to do that, then um, you know. I mean, the bottom line is people don't change until they stop. I mean nothing really changes until you adopt a vegan diet once you adopt a vegan diet for moral reasons then everything changes and you become a vegan you don't wear them you don't use products with uh, with animal ingredients and things like that and so we thought that um, that that was a, a, a good way um, nobody gets an out here I mean it's like there's no there's no out from this book. You can't say, well, you know, I don't believe in animal rights, or I believe that, you know, I don't accept this idea that the lives of humans and non-humans are equal for certain purposes. I don't believe that. Um, and so it's, it's just basically all you have to believe is that it's wrong to inflict suffering and death on, on animals for reasons of pleasure, amusement, or convenience. And anybody who cares enough about animals to read the book already is at that point. And so and I think most people are at that point. So what we're trying to do is sort of take take people where they are and say, okay, you already what you already believe commits you to a vegan diet. You think that's an accurate description of why we.
2: Well, yes, I think the book was really um, aimed at two groups of people because um, Gary and I have been teaching an ethics course together for over 20 years now, and As we've had discussions about what's happened in class, we've remarked that there might be a variety of views in the class audience or in audiences when we're giving lectures about any number of ethical issues, whether it be capital punishment or abortion or any other um, ethical um, question that that, uh, we face in our lives. But we've basically never found anyone who thought it was okay to be cruel to animals. That was, seems to be a such a common, um, commonly held belief that you should be kind to animals even or that, certainly that you shouldn't be cruel to them. And we were c- curious about why that commonly held, held belief didn't translate into um, more concern about our diet and the, the use of animal products for food. So it's, as Gary said, um, uh, designed for people who have that moral impulse that we shouldn't be um, cruel to animals but haven't thought about um, their diet in that context, but also to people who are vegan and face common questions um, when they're discussing their, their choice about what they're going to eat because the same questions and the same objections come up again and again and again. So we thought, let's write a book and provide some helpful answers. And it seems that they had proved to be helpful. So that's what we wanted to do, and I'm glad it's worked.
1: Let let me say this, Elizabeth, before we continue. I don't want people thinking that I'm being rude and typing while you're interviewing us. But the clicking or the noise that you hear in the background is one of our five rescue dogs who was walking around on the floor. Uh, well, I mean, she couldn't walk around on the wall, but I mean, she's walking around, she's walking around and you hear her nails on the floor. And uh, so I, I just wanted you to know that that was the sound that you were hearing.
0: Thanks for explaining that. Um I just want to say thank you for the exp- um for telling me when you came up with that um idea. I'm, I'm assuming that this was something that's developed over the last few years then um that you've been sort of have you sort of planned this particular book for a while or did it come to you quite recently, let's just do it.
1: Well, I think last year, you know, when we we sat down and we um we actually, this is one of a number of projects that we have mapped out. Um, it's the first one, uh, but we have uh, other projects, other books that uh, similar sorts of books where we we're going to, you know, where we're going to look at various ideas um, in what we hope is an accessible and easily comprehend, a comprehensible way. And um, and I think, you know, I, I think we both were sort of surprised, maybe not sort of surprised, but we both were surprised, I guess, at the reaction that um, I got from the Michael Vick stuff. And I was writing these things about, you know, we're all Michael Vick. And I was getting just enormously, (laughs) very, very uh, strong responses from people. I'm not saying everybody agreed with me. A lot of people were very angry and suggested that, you know, that, that there was something very wrong about analogizing eating animals to engaging in fighting animals. And I was saying, no, there really is not, there's really no morally significant difference at all. Um, but, you know, but, but I got a very strong reaction. And, and when I was going around giving lectures, I was, I was getting a very strong reaction. So, you know, we sat down and, and and um, and said, you know, look, maybe we got to, maybe this ought to be the first project that we do. And I think Anna's really sort of helped. To um, she has a much more, um, her writing style is different from mine. So she was she was able to, I think, really um, help help to really make it crystal clear. And and um, and I think I think that really really helped things. And you know, but as I say, it it, it it's one of a number of projects. I mean. Um, we would like to do something uh, along the lines of the theory that's an introduction to animal rights, but to do that in a in a more in a, in a really sort of a more simple way. I mean, I'd write that book. I wrote that book in two thousand. If I were writing that book today, it would be a different book because my thinking, um, my ideas haven't changed in terms of the bottom line, but the way I would express those ideas ha- ha- has changed. Um, and and so you know, we'll probably do something along the lines of. Um, an introduction to animal rights um, in, in a more accessible, you know, shorter way. We might even do something along the lines of animals, property, and the law. I'm um, talking about, you know, because there's so many animal advocates who think that the law can do so much for animals. And um, as anyone who read that book, which I wrote now almost 20 years ago, uh, if, as anyone who read that book knows, I don't think the law is very useful at all. Uh, in, in, in this regard, because animals are property. So what the law basically does is regulate property use. And that's, you know, that's not that's not going to get animals very much because animals are chattel property. They're economic entities. And so, you know, the the, the, the law is really restricted, you know, in, in, in what it's going to do. And so, you know, um, but, you know, a, a book like that, um, you know, uh, another project we've talked about is doing something along the lines of how do you talk to non-vegans, you know, a bunch of scenarios. Um, and how do you, you know, how, do, how do you, how do you introduce these ideas and play them out? Now, I think to some degree, um, the book that we've done, eat like you care it is intended to do, I mean, it's intended to, 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 educate vegan and people who are, who are already vegan as to how to talk to other people. Um, because, you know, m- most of the time the discussion between vegans and non-vegans focuses on the excuses that non-vegans have for not being vegan. So you say, well, you know, I understand why you feel this way. And, you know, and I, I share your concern. I love animals. I, you know, I've got a dog, I love my dog, but, and then you get one of the, you know the 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 several dozen uh, butts that uh, or one or more of the several dozen butts that we all get when we have these discussions and so you know the eat like you care has is, is got you know the introduction the argument that we we basically set out but then the rest of the book is is a- exploring these various butts and explaining why uh they don't work and so that's a a way of uh, of educating advocates as to how to deal with non-vegans But, you know, we thought maybe of doing, I guess, maybe a a sort of a companion volume where we talk about how do you talk to non-vegans about these things. And the sorts of scenarios that come up because we have been through every single one of them at least 14 million times. <laughs> so, you know, um, we, we, we can we can speak to them with, you know, we can we can describe them pretty well. Um, and we know which ones come up all the time and the sorts of patterns that people engage in. So, you know, we've got a bunch of projects we're working on, but um, that's the first one.
0: I'm so excited to hear that. I cannot tell you how thrilling, thrilling that is to hear. Oh my gosh, I'm thrilled. Um, really, I didn't know that. Um, I just, um, I was going to ask my next question, but I just want to say, as a person who's trying to do vegan advocacy and has, all of your books have been incredibly helpful to me and helped to um to give my, to give me words I did not have when I was out there trying to express these things that I felt because I knew that when I would read your words, I knew they were right. And then I'd go out and I'd try to explain it. And so the, the way that you've done this book in, in the, um, the smaller forum is, is incredibly useful. I mean, I, I think it's going to be great. There are some people who, I, I loved reading your other books and, and I did find some of them heavy going. Sometimes it was heavy going because it was sad um, to read about these things like animals, property and the law. Some of the stories in there were absolutely heartbreaking. And, um. but I just, I know that we live in a world in which people, they want the pocketbook size. Um. So, I mean, I'm all for that. I think that's great. But I mean, um, I, this book, uh, I just wanted to ask my next question. First of all, it's helped me immensely. I go out there now and I've got these more concise, it's very, it, what, it hel- what it helps do is it gives, it gives us, us people who haven't been doing this for, you know, 20 years or whatever like that, it gives us um, really direct and to the point um, responses because anybody who's read this book and anybody who's ever tried to talk to people about veganism and we all lack practice in it and we all need to be doing it more and you get better at it by doing it if you have this book it just helps you so much because the buts and we we're talking about there's um, I, I haven't actually counted how many are there exactly um, in, in here did you count them?
1: I think there's like thirty one or 30, 30, 30, 30 30, 30 like 30 or thirty. I think thirty thirty one. There's like there's thirty
0: or more. I don't. You know. Yeah, and they and they are so common. I mean, anyone who's talked to anyone about veganism has has, has encountered these. And I just wanted to know how did you pick how did you pick um, them because well basically you've covered them all. So I probably, I mean, how did you pick them? Well, how didn't you pick them? You used you used. I'm guessing you used um, common uh, objections that you personally had experienced as uh, advocates. In-
1: and we actually asked students, um, that we had in our human rights animal rights class. We asked them, what's the sorts, what are the sorts of things that you encounter when you discuss this this issue with people or what, what, what sorts of objections do you have? Cause a lot of the students aren't vegan. And, um, so, you know, we, we, we got, you know, we've been dealing with this now for 32 years that we've been vegan. So we've had, we've, we have a, a, a sort of a sense of what the arguments are, but But then we talked to other people and said, what sorts of things do you encounter? What sorts of things do you concern you? Why aren't you vegan? And, you know, and got their feedback.
2: Well, because we we teach students, you know, um, two classes of students um, a year, these questions come up. And um, although the students that we teach are in American law schools and they they are all graduate students, they already have an undergraduate degree, they'll often ask questions that they prefaced by this may be a stupid question but but you know our our response is always it's not a stupid question because not only are we just not encouraged to know how our food is produced and the conditions in which animals are held but we are actively discouraged we're kept away from it so um i'm on the um, east coast of the united states in an urban area um but i would imagine in quite many areas of the world, people have to be reminded that cows don't give milk as a function of their species. I I, I encounter smart people every single academic year who have forgotten that there's a calf involved, that there was a pregnancy, and that there's a cow baby somewhere. It's just cows give milk. And, you know, people have not given People have not seen their cow. They don't understand what they are. It's just a picture of a happy cow on a bottle of milk. And they've never thought about it because no one's ever asked them to. So is that the sort of person that we wanted to talk to because we get the same questions every year? And I'm sure you, Elizabeth, in your own advocacy, have got so many of the same questions posed to you. If we sat down and said, give me the list of the 10 most um, common questions that you get, I'm sure there'd be a lot of crossover for us. People have the same questions.
0: They do have the same questions. And um, the questions are always about... um Mostly, mostly nine times out of ten, they're about food and they're about diet. I just wanted to bring up um, um, I understand you already explained in the first, um, when you first introduced the book, Gary, why you focused on diet. And um, I do, I like what I, what I, because a lot of people are saying, oh, it's just about diet. And I'm like, well, you need to look at, you need to look at at the difference between a book that says um, it's healthy to be vegan and you know, you should cut down because it's gonna lower your cholesterol to a book that says there's a moral obligation here and this moral obligation says we have no right to use animals for trivial reasons such as food and um, this is what happens to animals used for food. It is it is definitely going, to, so anyone who stops eating animals for moral reasons is gonna stop using them for other moral reasons as well. That makes very much sense to me and also as someone who's, who's done vegan advocacy, I find that when no matter no matter who you are no matter what you start talking to people about no matter if you've got a stall that says vegan is, no, is non violence or, you know, whatever you talk about, you're going to end up talking about diet and food. You just are. And so this book is invaluable about that. And also, I've had conversations with people who try to distract. They don't want to talk about that. They don't want to talk about that. And so they start talking about pets and they start talking about, well, what's wrong with guide dogs? And I'm like, you know what? As long as you're still eating, you know, you're still, you still think it's perfectly okay to go down to the supermarket and buy the corpse of a baby lamb and chop him up for dinner. It's really going to be hard for me to sort of talk to you about guide dogs or, or pets or something like that while you're still doing that. I mean, let's, you know, and you kind of always have to go back to that because it's what, it it is like the the foundation of, of people's animal use. It's the most common. So I just wanted to make that clear. I think people, ah, people can be quite difficult, but um, yeah. And, and definitely, Anna, I've, it's so funny. You, it's so funny. Ooh.
2: Sorry, oh, there's a bit
1: the of competition tip. for the favorite spot to lie in. Yeah. Uh, okay, okay. Jamie, you stay right there. i uh, hold on. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. sorry uh, no,
0: that, don't say sorry. It's totally fine. I was just going to say, Anna, it's so funny because I literally, last time I did the store, which was last weekend, me, me and um my fellow advocate, um we've started a TAVS chapter. And <laughs> yeah, it's so great. And literally there was a guy and he was just could not, he could not get over the fact, I kept saying, you know, they have to have babies in order to give milk. And he said, no, no, I'm sorry. I just don't believe that. And he was really hard to convince. And one of the beautiful things about promoting veganism, and even all the points that you guys raise in your book, because you do cover facts. I mean, there's facts in this book. I say to people, you know what? Don't take my word for it. Go and research it. I welcome you to go and find out for yourself. Challenge my thinking and go out there and figure it out. Because as we know the facts do the facts do, are backed up but he yeah he just could not get over the fact that I kept saying they have to ha- get pregnant to have to, to give milk he
2: would well, weren't you ever told as a child Elizabeth if we didn't milk them it would hurt them you know unbelievable it's just not only we not only will they not count since we're not harming them it's we're helping <laughs> Oh dear! I mean, I don't forget that I was a happy meat eater for twenty years, great animal lover and a happy meat eater. You know, so we've all got this craziness going on in our heads. That's yeah, a very I, good point.
1: I mean, I think, I think in in a lot of ways, um, you know, uh, I I think I I I do think that um, a a good chunk of people. Don't know basic facts like cows have to be pregnant to rep- to give milk, um, and a lot of people uh, think that still think that they need to eat animal products for health reasons. But I think ultimately, you know, I think one of the really problems that we that we deal with and we're trying we try to confront in the book is the idea that um, you know a lot of people when you talk about these issues with them they say well you know, yeah, I agree with you. I know that they treat these animals terribly and I think they ought to treat them better. And then they'll say, you know, and I belong to Organization X. Um, You know, they're not vegan um, and, and, but you know, but they belong to Organization X by which they mean I give a contribution to Organization X and Organization X uh, promotes the humane treatment of animals. And and, um, you know, that's 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 really that's a problem. I mean, I I don't think you can underestimate the problem that we face with these large organizations, which have now pretty much taken a monolithic position. That is, I don't see any of them on the landscape that. uh, are advocating abolition and and promoting veganism as a moral baseline. They are basically all welfareist organizations. They are all promoting uh, welfare reform and happy exploitation. That is the reality of the modern animal movement um and anybody who doesn't see that really isn't paying attention and so and that that's an idea that you have to deal with all the time because people are saying well you know i belong to this group or that group and you know and oh i'm all in favor of this group says we ought to get rid of factory farming and i think you know i don't even know what that maybe you know get rid of factory farming i'm I'm not even sure what that means um but it still leaves animals being killed for for food uh and suffering know, being subjected to suffering and death uh, when it's completely unnecessary, we don't need to be eating animal products at all. And so, you know, um, you know, that's a problem we have to deal with, but, but, you know, look, there's another issue involved here that I think is really important. We need to focus on. And that is, you know, we're dealing with thousands and thousands of years of species thinking, and we're trying to correct that. And you got a lot of well-meaning people out there, animal advocates who really care about the issues, but They believe that there's, you know, they have an allergy to sort of sitting down and reading things. Um, You know, I, I get this all the time. I'll write a blog essay and someone will say, well, you know, did it have to be that long? Or can't you do can't you do the the, you know, an audio version? And I say, look, you know, you can't sit down and read the thing. It's like you know, three pages long. Well, you know, I I, I'm really very busy. You know, I'm an activist, and I, you know, and the bottom line is, if you aren't willing to educate yourself, and and we try to make that easy with Eat Like You Care, but if you're not willing to educate yourself, um, you you know, then then. we're never going to change anything. And, you know, one, one of the, one, you know, look, I wrote animals, property, and law 20 years ago. 20 years ago, I put the idea out there in, in you know, several hundred pages with quite a bit of backup that animal welfare reform uh, and animal welfare laws don't work. And now 20 years later, there's still a movement running around saying we've got to promote animal welfare laws and animal welfare reforms. And they don't even engage the substantive issues because they don't have to because, Because people really aren't educating themselves about the problems. So these large organizations don't have to have to defend their position in any way. They can basically just uh, wing it and say, oh, well, you know, we've got to take baby steps or not everybody's going to go vegan overnight. So we've got to reform animal use and, you know, improve animal treatment and things like that. And so if people aren't willing to educate themselves, then we're lost. We're not going to make any changes. So so, you know, it's our hope that people are willing um, you know, to engage. And I think Eat Like You Care has been extraordinarily successful in that way, in that people are reading the thing. It doesn't take long to read. it. It's, you know, the, the um, there's a lot of philosophy in the book, but you don't know it um, because it's basically, you know, it's basically not explained as philosophical ideas. It's basically explained in very uh, everyday, ordinary, common sense sort of language and ideas. And, um, and, and I think it's, I think people are, I think it is being very successful in that people are reading it. Uh, they're reading it in a fairly short period of time. Um, and they come away thinking, hey, I understand this. And then they go out and they educate people. And I think that's really terrific. But the bottom line is you're not going to change the world by reading some tweets and, a, and a, you know, and a couple of Facebook comments. Um, you know, y- you really do need to engage these ideas. Because what we're trying to do is undo thousands of years of screwed up thinking. You don't undo thousands of years of of screwed up thinking, you know, by, you know, looking at a couple of tweets and reading, uh, you know, some magazine that you get from some large animal group that, you know, that puts out these slick magazines so that they can get your money. Um, You know, you need to really learn some stuff. You need to understand where we've come from, why we are where we are today. You know, and and that's what the book tries to do in a in a, a fairly subtle way.
0: Well, I think it does it very successfully, and the the feedback from people has been incredible. And you know, I just, I mean, don't. I hope you don't think this forward of me, Gary and Anna, but in this wonderful group of projects that you're that you are thinking of doing, of this book being the the um, first one. I mean, I personally think it would be absolutely incredible to have a book like this called "Advocate Like You Care" and having the common welfarist butts, and we can give it to all our welfarist vegan friends for Christmas. The ones who don't want to read a big book because. <laughs> They, the the damage anyone the, the what you already mentioned, but the damage done by welfarist advocacy is palpable and real, and it's every day I go out there in the street I'm dealing with it and having to it, you, like I have to. They've taken so many backward steps that yep. I mean, this factory farming thing alone is the biggest problem I have, you know, it's going backwards. I, it's, I just, I can't explain it. Nobody says it better than you. And, um, nobody says it better, but it would be so, oh my God, I would just love a book like this for <laughs>
2: welfareists.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's, a, that's a really well, we're
2: taking requests.
1: That's a good idea because I, I do think, you know, look, the ideas that these people promote, that the welfarists promote, they have an intuitive plausibility. You say, "Well, you know, look at the world. You know, it's like all these animals are being exploited, and people aren't going to stop doing it right away. So, what we need to do is to help animals now." The problem is because animals are property. Animal welfare reform doesn't help animals now, um, and 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 most of the things that these people are campaigning for, um, you know, which are somewhat similar to. Uh, you know, putting padding on water boards, or, you know, I mean, it, it, it's, they're very minor to the extent that they're improvements at all. They're very minor. And they're, they're, they're actually the sorts of things which increase production efficiency. They don't, it's not that these reforms are, are driving up the cost of animal products so dramatically that they're causing demand to go down. I still wouldn't promote them, even if that were the case, but at least I would understand why people did, because I mean, if they were, if they in fact were resulting in, in really reducing. Reduced demand because the price was going up so much. Then I would at least understand why people think that they're good things to do. But that's not the case. I mean, most of these things are 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 cost effective. They actually increase production efficiency. Um, and to the extent that they don't, they add they add. Uh, an increase to the price which is so small that it stays within the price elasticity range and it doesn't affect the demand in any significant way. And so the bottom line is, is these welfare reforms aren't doing anything anyway and they're exactly what industry, if we had a vegan movement, if we had a worldwide vegan movement that was demanding the abolition of animal use, industry would respond with the exact same welfareist measures that these people are promoting. The difference would be I mean, do you think industry is going to you know, sit around and say, oh, well, there's a big abolitionist movement and we're not going to respond to it? Of course they're going to respond to it and they're going to try to reassure people that everything's fine and that it's perfectly acceptable to consume animal products. So they're going to come up with these sorts of reforms anyway because they're the sorts of reforms that industry would embrace because they don't add cost. They, you know, they, they are cost effective. Most of them actually increase production efficiency. And the difference would be you wouldn't have a movement that was an active participant. I mean, what is Killing the movement is is um, that you have industries that are exploiting animals, and then you have animal groups which are falling over themselves, working with those those institutional users to make the 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 you know to 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 to, to put a happy face on animal exploitation. It's really horrible. I mean, it really is. It's it's just horrible. And it sends the wrong message. And, and you know, it sends the message that um, wealth, you know, that you can't campaign for welfare reform without conveying the idea to people that the reformed process is going to be morally better, you can't promote, you can't say, well, we're in favor of, of um, you know, uh, we, we, we want to promote getting rid of farrowing crates for pigs. Um, the only way you can promote that, the only way you can do that is by maintaining or taking the position that um, not having pigs in farrowing crates is a morally desirable thing and that the pork that is produced in the non-farrowing crate situation is morally better and and morally acceptable for people to eat. And and when you have these organizations saying, well, we're not saying that it's okay to eat animal products. You know, we're we're just saying we ought to get rid of the worst abuses. That's complete nonsense. That is dishonest. That's not what they're doing. That they can't do it that way. They would never ever be able to support the, you'd never have those campaigns. you know, with, with, with active animal participation without the animal people saying, this is a good thing to do. And it results in a, 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 a morally better and morally desirable product. And that is what is devastating because then the, the the idea that, 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 that gets out is that um, as long as, you know, I mean, I've had people come up to me, Elizabeth and say, Well, you know, I saw that, um, you know, Organization X just called off its boycott of of this, you know, McDonald's. Um, And so that means it's okay for me to eat at McDonald's now. Right. Because, you know, they're saying that McDonald's is concerned about animal welfare and gave in to their demands. I mean, it's really insidious because what you have is you have the animal groups. Um, working with industry. And then they all walk away winners. The animal groups walk away and they say, we got industry to do something and they care about animal welfare. You got the industry saying, look, we've got all these animal groups saying that, you know, we're really doing a slam bang job. And, you know, so industry wins, the animal groups get donations. The only losers are the animals.
0: Exactly. Um, I just, that's so important. That's one of the reasons why I kind of yeah, I really, I try so hard to get these people to read your books, because when I first um, heard about this, when I very first heard about this, where it was the fact that animals are property, you know, when you're just like, hey, this is the deal, animals are property, I, it, I thought to myself, wow, that's actually a really stunning concept, but I couldn't quite figure out the um, significance of it in terms of morality in action. So in other words, I was like, okay, he's, yeah, okay, animals are property, and I started reading your books. And, and yeah, and, and it is, I mean, like you say, even if it were true that the prices were going up and demand was falling down, and or, or even if it was really big supposed improvements before they were killed, it's actually... I mean, it's just you're you're reinforcing the idea that there are things for us to use. I mean, I you you said that, and it just that I thought, oh my god, oh my god, we cannot we cannot do that anymore. And that's why I get um I try so hard to get people to to understand that. And I um the, these welfare I'm like, you're actually what you're actually doing is condoning animal use. And they say, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. And I'm like, how are you not? And it, I do have a hard time getting it getting through to them. Um, and you've got a chapter on Eat like you care about um are there are there not laws. Um, Um, you know, that require the humane treatment of animals, but this goes beyond this, because this is advocates saying, oh no, no, we're trying to wake people's consciousness up, we're trying to get people thinking, what they're, but the focus on treatment is what they're getting people thinking on, and it's, it's, and they're not, they're, I, I don't know how to say it any better, they're perpetuating, perpetuating the notion that there are things for us to use, why don't people not understand that how wrong that is.
2: <laughs> well, it's, I, I think um, the, the whole concept of the animal status, uh, property status of, of, of animals is when when I read the research that Gary was using when he was writing that book, um, I was on whose jaw dropped also because I thought um, that the law would actually be more effective. Um, I was a lawyer, I thought it would actually do something. And then you realize that you can't have any any meaningful restriction on what on the use of animals and still be a society that's producing 58 billion land animals every year for food it, it can't the two cannot go together so um, we're also not going to um, impose criminal penalty on the food the people who are producing the food for us so as long as we're demanding that those 58 billion animals be killed for our food purposes um, we're going to be grateful to the to the producers, Um, we're going to say to a few people, no, this is not correct. This is not how we want it done. This is too extreme. But the vast majority of of the treatment of animals obviously has to be acceptable or else food could not be produced um, with animal um, products at that level. So it's this quiet um, acceptance of um, of practices that go that go on and we don't want to know anything that would shake us out of our, um, comfort level. So it is this give and take between, um, uh, people, consumers who demand that it be done in their name and for their convenience and the people who are stepping up to the plate or <laughs> the consumer's plate and putting an animal on it.
1: And, and also I think, you know, um, uh these organizations basically uh, all these animal organizations they um, they get the don- their donations they don't get donations by they get donations by taking positions that nobody objects to and so they have you know they increase they have the, they have the, you know they increase their donor base by basically promoting positions that nobody could disagree with and and so, you know, um, they're not they're not saying to people, hey, look, you know, veganism is a moral baseline. If you think animals matter, you've got to go vegan. They don't take that position. They say go veg, uh, you know, or work towards going veg or go get on the journey to go. back. they don't want to alienate every person out there who's got a checkbook or, a, you know, a PayPal account or whatever who can donate. To, they don't want you know, they want all those people to donate. But you're never going to change anything. If that's the position you're taking and, but you know what? I I go back to what I said a few minutes ago. There isn't one large group out there, not one, not one, not in my country, not in your country, not in Britain, not, not one that is taking the position that veganism is the moral baseline. They'll give lip service to vegans. Oh yes. You know, that's something you can do if you want, but they all say, go veg, go veggie. You know, yeah, um,
0: absolutely. No, it's true. I mean, what I'm, what I'm, ch- I mean, one of the reasons why I made that request for the advocate like you care mini welfareist handbook is because that, that I can't. I just think it comes down to actual speciesism in the person itself, and and then I worry about taking that position and thinking, well, then I'm just I am. I find that if you if you if you are. Perpetuating. If you are taking the position that it's okay to use them, it's just how they're treated. Then that is that is species And I've been more vocal about it. And I found that that actually does get through to those advocates who are the because um, a lot of these organizations rely on volunteers. They the, the executives get paid, and the, and the and the the employees get paid, but they use a lot of volunteers. And those volunteers are the ones buying this um, idea and being sold this sort of despairing lie. It's very despairing. I can't imagine anything more depressing than being sucked up in this totally despairing attitude that they have that it's never gonna end and that we, you know, we're never gonna it's never gonna change. But they, but those people, when I say you're actually being species, that this is actually really speciesist, um, I've been saying it more and more. I started to hesitantly say it a while ago. Now I say it up front, and you know people, the volunteers actually they sometimes it snaps them out of it, I think, um because that that's i mean a lot of people don't want they don't understand market values and they say, oh well i well, I no because they're more expensive for the cage free and they they get treated better and it's better, and I'm like, and then you know we try to use the human analogies, and I don't know it's very very frustrating well you know
1: i i mean I mean I think that that's an important point, and that is we live in a world um in which we accept the ideas that that people like Jeremy Bentham and other people articulated in in the 19th century that is that animals matter morally but they don't have an interest in their lives and so therefore it's all right for us to kill and use them. Um, as long as we treat them humanely. I mean, that's what Bentham argued in the 19th century. That's what Peter Singer, in many ways, argues. I mean, that's, that's basically Singer's position. I mean, he thinks that, you know, non-human great apes are, are, you know, they matter more and dolphins matter more because they're more intelligent because he places a moral value on intelligence. The bottom line is, if, for purposes of whether or not we use a sentient being as a resource, intelligence is is, is irrelevant. Um, but, um, but, you know, uh, but I think that, that it's a very common... I, I, I actually think uh, sadly Elizabeth I actually think most most of these animal groups um, follow Singer's position and I think that most of them think that killing animals is you know they wish it wasn't happening you know because the way it happens but you know basically it's not that we're using animals it's the way we treat them this is why they all focus on the on the, the the factory farming issue if they really you know, if they really thought that it was wrong to be using animals, they'd be promoting veganism as a moral baseline, but they don't. I mean, they, they actually go out of their way not to do that. That's
2: right. Um, they
1: go out of, they go out of their way not to do that. And to, to use every word except vegan, um, and to all, and, and, and to, to, um, to take the position that, um, they, I mean, I, I had them, I had a bizarre exchange some months ago with animals, Australia, Um, on their, on their website, um, I, I posted something and then they responded and we went back and forth about, about on the issues. And, and the, what, what what the, the position they were taking is they'd say, well, you know, we can't tell people what's right or wrong morally. And the answer is to that is if you can't say what you think is right or wrong morally, then what the hell are you, (laughs) why are you doing this? I mean, if you can't take, if you can't say to people, look, we can't justify morally justify um, uh, y- you know, exploiting animals. Um, uh, If you can't say that, then why are you in this? Why are you doing this? You know, it would be like saying, well, I'm into civil rights, but I don't really think that, you know, you can say that, you know, people of color are equal to white people. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't really think you can tell people that. Um, What sort of civil rights movement would that be?
0: exactly um it's cool um going back to the book um on page 12 where it says two things before we begin page 12 of the paperback how you say the purpose of the book is not to condemn it's about helping you think clearly clearly about a moral issue and it said and you say to people you know you, you do actually you do actually put out that um you know that white flower or whatever white flag and say. If if anything we say provokes or annoys you, you know, please try to get past that your reaction to just see if whether we're making sense. And oftentimes um, I try to do that when I'm talking to people as well. But um, it doesn't. I mean, that's just speciesist by animals Australia anyway. Because they 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 they. It's when it comes down to the non humans. There's always compromise, um, and that's the most frustrating thing about it um, for well, me. As part, and- as
1: part of that discussion with Animals Australia, I actually asked, I said, well, would you take the same position if we were talking about rape or yeah. child molestation? Would you say, well, we can't take a moral position? And see, that's, that's the thing, is that it is speciesist um, in the sense that um, they don't want to say that the use of animals is per se – morally wrong because they don't believe it is. Um, I think that all these organizations buy into Singer's view that with the exception of the non-human great apes and with the you know, exception of the dolphins and, and perhaps elephants, basically the animals we eat, the chickens, particularly the chickens, uh, because that's the animal that we, that we, 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 it's most numerical in terms of the, the, um, the animal that we eat, the animals of the of the animals that we eat, and you know that we think chickens are stupid and they don't really have an interest in their lives, and so that using them is not a problem, It's not per se a moral problem. The problem is how we treat them, and and um, and so I think you know I think that speciesist, I think that's absolutely speciesist, but I also think it's what they believe. So when I say to them, why aren't you promoting veganism as a moral baseline? The real answer is because they don't think it is. What they think the pro- they think the problem is treat the way we treat animals, not that we kill them. I mean, if we kill them in a if we kill them painlessly, if we gave them in a good life and we killed them painlessly, I think a lot of these people would you know would be would be happy.
0: Well, fair enough too, because it, it just it's very much. I mean, if they object to that um, to that statement, then they just have to look at their advocacy their advocacy proves that if you believe something is wrong you advocate that you say you say that it's wrong and you stand by it um so i i do i do agree with that i am still i still struggle to, um trying to get through to people who do that and it comes down to And generally, I try to cut to the chase because I don't want to, I'm not, uh, I do, I have read your books and I, and I, and I've learned so much from them, but I can't put it concisely. And if I can't find an exact quote in that moment to answer the person, like if they're saying, you know, but no, because of economics or something like this, and I'm just really not equipped to discuss economics. The bottom line is I always go back and say, if, if we were, like you say, like people don't understand how important these analogies are. If we were talking about child abuse or if we were talking about rape, would you be having the exact same position that you're having with me? now, and the answer is generally no, it's just because they're non-human animals, so that, that is quite, um, quite depressing, but I do find, I mean, we have the Abolitionist Vegan Society grassroots movement that has veganism as the moral baseline, and I mean, there's hope, guys, come on, I mean, look at, look at what's happening now around the world, I mean, don't you think things have changed in the last, I mean, from your perspective, Anna and Gary, are you, are you as, as excited as I am about the last couple of years?
2: Well, I'm hoping that it gives um, uh, activists confidence that it will be their interactions, the sort of thing that you're talking about, Elizabeth, in terms of your advocacy. Those are the interactions that make the kind of change that we're looking for. We've got far too many charities. We've got far too many little charitable corporations set up with executive directors and whether they're salaried or not. And um, it's become a charity. And there is no revolution, whether it's political or moral, that was ever um, achieved by this sort of charity work. There's a role for that. When a tsunami rolls in, sending 10 10- Dollars or whatever your currency is through your cell phone to deal with that sort of immediate uh, need that people have. There's a role for that, but in terms of changing the way people think, that's not done by these charities and the mass mailings and the uh, the, the campaigns that are chosen so that they can focus on a little victory um, in in the future. That so you can declare victory over something because the victory is usually very very compromised in terms of the steps that you have to take to get where you want to go in an abolitionist animal rights approach i mean that's one of the reasons that we don't do many animal law cases anymore when i worked with students and the um, animal rights law clinic that we had at the law school where we teach i had um, a group of young um, student lawyers every year and we would bring cases but when we chose them, I would always say, think about the press conference that you're going to be having if you win. What will you have say? What will you say you have won? And does that fit into the abolitionist um, approach that you want to have to the animal question? And that's the problem because the law is not conducive um, to the next step. Um, in achieving animal rights because, you know, law is, is essentially conservative. But these charities are conservative, too, with a small c, because they want to perpetuate themselves. So it's it's we've, we've degenerated into mass mailings and little victories and um, keeping the tent so big that the message has to be watered down. And the change will come when... You, Elizabeth, talks to someone who can identify with you, respect you, work with you, values your ideas in other contexts, and sees that Elizabeth takes this idea seriously, perhaps I should. And that was one of the reasons that we did the book, because there are many people in those circumstances who just hadn't, when a question was thrown at them, hadn't really worked out the answer yet. And we don't want people parroting a a response, but it helps them develop a specific response to a specific question that's posed all the time so it's that sort of intelligent independent person to person advocacy that changes things
1: I mean the bottom line is um, if this is going to change it's going to change on a as a matter of grassroots I mean the large organizations have perpetuated the idea that activism is sitting down and writing a check that's not what activism is What activism is, is being active and doing things. And there are lots of ways that you can be active. Um, You know, you can do lots and lots of things. It's limited only by your imagination. But it means getting out there and doing things. And, you know, educating people, showing them that vegan food is really delicious, talking with them about the questions they have Um, you know, and and engaging in, you know, in in creative nonviolent vegan advocacy, which you can do in all different, all all, all sorts of different ways. But you're not going to, you know, but but, but now we've gotten, you know, I I love it when people say on the Facebook site, they'll say, well, you know, you're just talking about education. I believe in (laughs) activism. And then you find out what they mean by that is they're a member of one of these groups and they contribute money to these idiotic animal welfare campaigns and that's what they regard as activism you know they regard as activism getting some reform that's going to be phased in over a period of 300 years and isn't going to re- amount to a hill of beans anyway and won't be enforced anyway and it's only going to make people more comfortable by consuming animal products anyway and they say well this is activism this is, I mean, I, I find that actually, that zombie-like behavior, I find actually somewhat frightening. But, but the, the, the bottom line is, is that if it's gonna change, it's gonna change as a result of grassroots activism. And I am, you know, to go back to your original question, um, you know, h- how do we feel about what's been happening recently? Well, I'm really optimistic about it, um, in the sense that, you know, in the past several years, I have watched the abolitionist movement grow um, I've watched these ideas take root. Um, they now um, there are people all over the, all over the planet that are articulating these ideas and getting out on the weekends and tabling and talking to people at their places of work and talking to people at their schools. and th- that's how you change things. You know, you, you change things by working in your community, Um, And talking with people in your community and interacting with people in your community and trying to shift a paradigm that is as as deeply ingrained as any moral paradigm we've ever dealt with. Uh, It's 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 similar only to sexism, actually, in terms of the 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 deep integration that it has in all of our daily lives, Um, because I think sexism does as well. Uh, I mean, all forms of discrimination do, but I mean, I think sexism is so pervasive, we don't even see it. And so is speciesism. Uh, Racism we're somewhat better at identifying, although not, not, not perfectly, obviously. And um, but, you know, sexism and speciesism are really deeply part of, of our, um, of our, uh, of our, of our, of our hardware, of our mental hardware, as it were. And so, you know, we don't even recognize a lot of these, these, these things. And so I think that. Uh, You know, we're we're trying to unseat this really deeply ingrained paradigm. The only way you do that is by mass educate, you know, is is by is by educating people and doing that as a really as as a as a grassroots effort. And, you know, in we've seen in the past year. Sarah Woodcock started the the Abolitionist Vegan Society. And, you know, that's not an organization that has like, you know, 16 executive directors all making, you know, uh, a lot of money and, you know, the the coordinator. uh, She's not, uh, as I understand it, accepting any money for salaries at all. Ah, uh, the only donations they accept are to defray costs for the things that they provide to people, like pamphlets or pins or or things like that. But that they're not taking money and um, they won't take money for salaries. At least that's what I understand their position to be. So. And they won't. Okay, and they won't take money from non-vegans. There you go. So, so you know, if I I look at at what what she's done in the past year. Um, it's, it's really, uh, it hasn't even, I don't think been a full year, but I mean, it's just been, it's remarkable. And, and that, that says something really great about Sarah and her organizational abilities, no doubt about it. But it also says something about the fact that people are hungry for this, that they want it, that they're responding to it strongly because it's hitting a chord. People are tired of being told that, Animal activism is getting giving awards to slaughterhouse designers, you know, as PETA did. Or people are getting tired of hearing about, you know, how you know Coles is such a great store in Australia because you know they sell, you know, they they've agreed to phase in cage free eggs over the next eighty million years, or that you know the or the propaganda that they get from from uh, the new 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 Zealand organization Safe. It's called Safe, isn't it? Yeah, you know the, the the nonsense they get from people are getting smart to that. They realize things aren't getting any better. They realize that all that all that happy exploitation, welfare reform stuff is doing is making people feel more comfortable about animal exploitation. That is absolutely clear, and I find it remarkable when I hear these people say, "Well, you know." Ha- How do we know that that, you know, that people are feeling more comfortable about animal consumption as a result of the happy exploitation campaigns? The response to which is, um, excuse me, why are all these companies doing it if they don't if they don't think it is working, if they don't think it's a good idea, they wouldn't be spending money on it. Indeed, they would be opening themselves up to legal actions by their shareholders for engaging in those actions if those actions weren't weren't generating value for shareholders so you know i i think i think did you want to say something about that
2: no i think it's absolutely right i think i think we've 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 just we're just swimming around in this swamp um what i hear frequently on messages that come through the website or in response to the book is particularly i was i get messages that say i was a vegan for sometimes decades they were vegetarian and it's, as, it's almost as if you can see the penny dropping because people write and say, nobody ever asked me to be vegan. No one ever suggested I should be. Right. Vegetarian, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that we get that all. We get that. All, as, as a matter of fact, in this past week, I've gotten at least five comments through either on the Facebook site or private messages saying I've been a vegetarian for you know a long time. And some of these people have been vegetarians for like 20 years. 25, 20, 25 years. They say no one, no one in the organization I've been involved with ever asked me to go vegan. No one ever said you need to do that as the more, you know, as a moral baseline. Um, and and you know, and that veganism is the moral baseline. And the idea, and I, 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 you know, when I was when I spoke at the animal rights conference in June in in Washington. Um, something that I will never again do is I had, I haven't, I haven't spoken, I haven't spoken at one of those conferences in 15 years and I, I will leave planet earth without ever (laughs) doing one of those again, because to call it a waste of time is, is an insult to wastes of time. But, um, but you know, when I was, when I was, um, when I was at that, I was listening to these welfareist people say, "Oh well, you know, we we promote veganism. Our organizations promote veganism." The answer is, look at the websites of these organizations. A lot of them don't even mention, you know, they'll mention veganism as you know, in, in as some as an option that people might pursue if that's what they wish to do. But they're all told to go veggie, veg, vegetarian, um, and 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 as as a matter of fact, most of them. Explicitly talk about going vegetarian or vegan, so they're being told being you know going vegetarian is a you know is a is a morally uh, coherent thing to do. As a matter of fact, um, I pointed out that one of the groups had on their website the statement that um, you know if you go vegetarian, and they use the word vegetarian, they didn't say vegan. They said if you go vegetarian, then you. You pull out from, you know, you're no longer participating in the exploitation of animals. And the the response to that is that's absolutely false. But that's what these organizations are telling people. So if they're telling people, which they are, and I don't care what they say they're telling people, they're telling people that it's all right to exploit and that it's all right to, to drink milk, that it's all right to eat cheese. Don't worry about that cheese pizza. Don't worry about that ice cream. You want to do that? That's fine. Um, and if you want that occasional piece of meat, well, just go to Whole, Whole Foods and buy animal welfare rating number three or number four or number, you know, whatever the, you know, whatever these magic, these, these happy exploitation labeling programs that are now popping up all over the world and that's another thing if this stuff didn't work why would corporations be be falling over themselves to come up with these rating programs so they can reassure you know consumers that everything is just great that those animals you know the animals that they eat you know are just del- are delighted to, to be on their plate you know why why are they doing that they're doing that because it's it, it's bringing money in. They're doing that because it's because it because it's it's an economically good thing to do. And so so you know, I I think we've got to, you know, look, I, I think in the end, um, Anna and I talk to people every day of our lives about this issue. And our experience has been the same experience that I think everybody else has. When you're talking to normal people about this issue, I can go down right now. Um uh, if I could get out of my driveway, which has about 14 feet of snow. But um, if, if I could get out of my driveway, I could drive to the local supermarket and I could just sort of like casually engage somebody in a conversation about why they're eating meat when they love their dog or their cat or, you know, whatever. And I could have an interesting discussion and get people provoked and thinking about things. The problem is, is when you're talking to quote animal people, um, you know, that's when you get the most resistance. So um, given that I want to maximize my efficiency, I have just decided that talking to animal people about why veganism is the moral baseline is a waste of time, because all they're going to do is come back with this, you know, this this cultish um, zombie like response. Well, we need to take baby steps. Well, not people. I mean, I don't get that from normal people I talk to who don't have anything to do with the animal movement. I mean, people understand that. I'm not saying they all go vegan, but some do. I mean, you know, I talked to, I talked to, quote, ordinary, end quote, non-animal people all the time. As a matter of fact, I find them much better and more interesting to talk to because you don't get that zombie-like cult response of, well, we've got to take baby steps. Well, you know, the world isn't going to go vegan overnight, so we've got to support, you know, giving awards to slaughterhouse designers, or we've got to, we've got to support Whole Foods. Um, And, you know, I mean, when I was at that conference, I was actually listening. I was listening to animal advocates from groups like Farm Sanctuary and Mercy for Animals praising Whole Foods. I mean, they were affirmatively telling people Whole Foods is a great place and they're doing great work. And you have that letter that was signed by Every large organization or just about every large organization in the United States that started this this new phase of of uh, of of spiraling downward in 2005, Peter Singer sent a letter, which he intended to be a public letter. He sent a letter to Whole Foods expressing, quote, appreciation and support, end quote, for the, quote, pioneering, end quote, uh, system of happy exploitation that Whole Foods was putting into place that was signed by PETA. HSUS, Farm Sanctuary, Mercy for Animals, Compassion Over Killing, Vegan Outreach, Viva, um, you know, and basically all of the large animal organizations. And and that was up on Whole Foods' website for some period of time, and basically they were pointing to it and saying, look, we've got the animal movement behind us.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the things that happen are astonishing. Here in New Zealand, when McDonald's um, when McDonald's decided to switch to cage-free eggs here in New Zealand, the suppliers here, they, had an, they created an omelette out of something like 10,000 eggs, the biggest, like they tried to go for the Guinness Book of Records or something like that, and Hans Creek, who was the leader or whatever we want to call it of SAFE, was there for this event. I mean, if that doesn't send a message, it's <laughs> so. Okay. And 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 they have a go veg campaign now. And when they were asked on their Facebook page, "What does go veg mean?" they say vegetarian or vegan. They really don't. They really don't make a distinction. But you know, um, that's what I mean. I just want to say. I mean, I just want to say that I don't. It, I know it seems like a waste of time, but lots of people are lots of these people the new people are volunteers and they are waking up to abolition that's why we're having so many people who are doing getting onto this so i i mean it seems like a way a lot of the time it is a waste of time and it's very frustrating but i think that it gets through to some people so oh you know,
1: sure no 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 look there's no doubt about it and particularly the younger people who had you know who don't have invested in the people who are volunteering who don't have paying jobs yeah um and, um, you know, those people I, I, I think are educable and I think we ought to educate them. I don't got to educate anybody who wants to be educated. I'm just saying that that when you're dealing with the mentality of the large groups, you you, you are dealing with with a mindset that is basically speciesist, that is basically pro happy exploitation. And that really is is focused on issues that I have no interest in and that I don't want you know, that I don't think are useful morally. Um, and, and so, you know, that, that's why, and I think, I think, you know, we can, um, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, we're, are saying, well, what do we do about these large organizations? And the answer is ignore them. Stop supporting them. You know, just stop writing the checks. If you disagree with them, stop supporting them and, and, and get out there and, You know, I mean, it's not difficult. You can get these these tabs brochures. We have the abolitionist approach pamphlets in 20 or 21 different languages, which are all they're free. You you know, you print them out. And you distribute them to people, and you talk to people, and you go to schools, and you go to social, you know. I mean, they're they're like almost every city on the planet. You know, there are places where you know there are social groups and things like that where people, you know, people gather and 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 you know where you can, you know, and they're they're always looking for speakers. They're always, I mean, they're, they're, these organizations are always looking for people to come in and talk about issues. Well, go in and talk to them, you know. And 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 when I say this, sometimes advocates say to me, well, you know, but that's really intimidating and the thing is get over it you want to change the world you got you know you got you just have to educate yourself get over you know get over it and get in there and start talking to people um and and you know and we can change the world I mean look there there are some folks at Rensselaer Polytechnical Institute which is in um, upstate New York and uh, they did a study this past year they, they put out a paper in which they said that if you look at social justice issues, you look at social social issues, if you get 10% of the population believing strongly in an idea, you can really change things. Now, I am not stupid um, enough to believe that if we had 10% of the population really committed to abolitionist veganism, by which I mean the idea that we can't eat, wear, or use them, that it's morally unjustifiable to use animals as resources for humans. And the sort of the, the other elements, you know, the, the, you know, really believing, not just the question of, well, you know, it's going to help my cholesterol go down people are really committed to it morally. If you really, if you had 10% of the pop of any population, I don't care what's in the United States, New Zealand, or the moon. If you had 10% of the population that believed in abolitionist veganism, you know, really believed in it, would it mean that everybody was, was going to become vegan, you know, in some short period of time? Of course it wouldn't, because there's a lot of people who, who don't want to, you know, there are a lot of people who are opposed to veganism. But what it would mean is we would change, we could change the conversation. We could change the conversation and refocus it away from the whole treatment issue. And focus it on the use, use issue, because that's the problem. The problem is, right now, the discourse is only about treatment. Do we get, you know, how do we modify factory farming to make it acceptable so people feel good about consuming the products of factory farming? That's what those organizations are doing. That's what SAFE is doing, Animals Australia, and all you know HSUS, PETA, all of Farm Sanctuary, Mercy for Animals, Compassion, that's what they're doing. They're focusing on treatment issues to try to figure out how, you know, what sorts of what sorts of things will make people feel better and more comfortable about exploiting animals? We need to refocus the disc. we need to change the conversation and focus it on the use question and away from the treatment issue. But we could do that if we had 10 percent, if 10 percent of the population of New Zealand, you know, got behind an abolitionist vegan message. Would that mean that New Zealand would go vegan? No. There's still a lot of economic interests in the, you know, in, in various animal exploitation industries in New Zealand. Of course they wouldn't. But what would happen is we would start having an interesting social conversation that we're not having right now. And well, that's we're what we're starting
0: need to, to have it. Thanks to you yeah. and Anna's book. And, you know, yeah, well,
1: it's it's starting. I agree. It's starting. But also, also, and I'm, and I'm, I'm I, I know that, you know, look you do a lot of work and you know you have been for i've known you for what i don't know three years now four years i don't know however long i've known you and you're a very active person you work hard and you know you, you 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 get out there and you do things um and you're a creative person and and you know you work hard the bottom line is if this is going to work the idea we can't look to leaders you know i mean it's like I, I constantly get these these email. You know, well, you know, you and Anna should start a group. No, we're not going to start a group. I mean, we're generating ideas. Um, I'm not interested in. I'm not interested in 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 starting a group or having a. I'm just not interested in it. You know, we're academics. We do academic things. We come up with ideas. We try to educate people. We try to come up with good, effective ways of educating people because that's what we are. We are educators. Um, but the bottom line is is that if we're going to change this mess. It's gonna be all of us. You can't look to leaders. I don't want to be a leader of anything. I I I I don't want to be a leader of anything. I want a movement of people, all of whom are leaders, all of whom take it into their own hands to get out there and engage in creative, nonviolent vegan education and advocacy. That's what we need. You want to change the world? That's how you do it. You know, you don't look to leaders. They'll always, you know, that, that's that's the wrong that's the wrong orientation to have. Is a question of No, leaders. I agree.
0: I mean, but it's like, it's nice to have the educators who make the statements that are, you know, you just, if you can say it, if, if you can say it, like, I, nobody says it better. So I like to, you know, I like to use what you've given um, us um, as, as much as possible. So, um, and so whether you sort of, there's, you are the leading academic i mean that's a lot of well, a lot of times bub says that he he when we're at this when we're at the stall and we're promoting your books and, and your pamphlet and things he's like that's the leading ac- academic you don't object to that right i mean that's
1: well you are the- yeah look i've been thinking about these things for a long time and i've come up with a lot of different you know i mean yes i i have i have generated uh i've spent my life focused on this issue so yeah i mean i you know. Uh, Uh, And I'm the only person, um, uh, you know, Anna and I are the only people really who sort of focus on this issue um, the way we do. Um, However, um, if it's ever going to work, it can't be just me and it can't be just Anna. It's got to be everybody. It's got to be. We've got to have a grassroots movement of all of us being on the same page. The idea that you can't justify eating, wearing and using them and people who are educated, people who people who understand how to get out there and talk to people. So when somebody says to them, but isn't it natural? to eat you know to eat animal products you could say well you know that's really interesting what does it mean does you know gee if you think about it every form of exploitation that human beings have ever had has been characterized as natural and 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 so what does that mean does that you know is that an argument to justify something or is it a label that we put on something that we've already concluded is all right because if it's the latter then that doesn't work and so you know i mean these are not rocket science ideas i mean this is what we try to do in eat like you care it's not rocket science but i go back to an idea that i articulated earlier it's not rocket science but you do have to sit down and read it you do have to sit down and read stuff you do have to educate yourself you can't go out there and you know To to be, you know, some people believe that, you know, I don't need theory to be an activist. And the answer is that's crazy. That's that's beyond crazy. That's that's incoherent and and just plain dumb. Of course, you need theory to be an activist because you need the theory to determine what your activism is going to look like. If I've got it, if if I'm if I want to spend the next three hours doing something for animals, I need a theory that will inform what my choices of the various of the mul- you know the, the multitude of things that I could choose uh, uh to do which of those things am I going to choose I need a theory for that so this idea that well we don't need theory that's just ivory tower that's nonsense that's I nonsense
0: couldn't, I couldn't agree more and as someone I mean I I could not agree more and and the proof is in the vegan pudding because people who um like you say who are intimidated or whatever um, by um, going out and speaking to people about veganism, it's a lot easier if you've done some reading and if you've got these ideas and you've got ways to articulate them. Um, the beautiful thing about You Like You Care is it's concise. So while while these things can become more complicated and some of these topics can be complicated by people c- trying to make them more complicated, the beautiful thing about this this the, these kinds of, of ideas is you can bring them back to their core and you can bring them back to, that always comes back to, Basically, right and wrong, you know, and um, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, when we're talking about exploitation, and because we we don't think it is wrong to talk about right and wrong when it when it comes to children or when it comes to human rights abuses, so it is. I think I, you're absolutely right, Gary. And part of what we're trying to do here in New Zealand, myself and Bobs with our um, Tav's chapter, is um, is get, create educated, we, we want, because I can't do it by myself, I can't do the whole of New Zealand by myself, you can't do the whole world by yourself, Sarah can't do the whole world by herself, that's the whole point, is we need these people, and they do need to be educated, I cannot, I agree so much with that, and I hope everybody listening really, really does as well, and just, you, you have a more, you have an obligation to educate yourself, because the animals need it, and, um, the movement needs it, and you're absolutely right, I mean, it's, it's, you need to educate yourself and that's why your books and everything. And one of the things I did a long time ago was I printed out your videos because, you know, animals property, you have the video animals as property and I tried to print those out as books. I haven't had as much use of them. People people do look at them, but um, they're kind of long and unwieldy. I didn't do a very good, like I got, it was my first attempt at printing and the pages take a while to turn and they stick. So, um, but that for me was like, I guess my first attempt because, you know, I would like, for example people. Anyone who came to my house, I'd want them to sit down. That's twenty minutes long. That's that's not a very long time um, to watch the, the the video theory of animal rights, for example. So you know, putting them in book form the way that you're doing is is it is invaluable. And you know, maybe it's a reflection on our current world that people are are wanting the shorter books or whatever, but the bottom line is you figured out a way to do it and you're doing it and people are responding and that is the most positive thing and we are creating a grassroots movement. We are creating a grassroots movement and I think that everyone involved understands the importance and I'm looking more and more, I, I, most of it's online because in New Zealand things are way slower than everywhere else um, and I'm looking at these advocates and they have educated themselves, they have read it and they are able to articulate it and it's it just warms the cockles of my heart to see that um, I really do think it's happening. I'm very, very excited. And I'm, you know, extremely grateful to you and to Anna. And, and yes, I am. And I understand that I have to be a leader and that I have to make this happen. I understand that completely. I can't sit around and wait for you to do it. But I, I, I and everyone else, I mean, we are very grateful for, the, for all the work that you've done and continue to do in order to help us. To be leaders in in this, so you know that has to be said. Um, I just wanted to um talk about a lot of the things that, a lot of these um, objections to abolition and a lot of the objections to veganism, are are they not essentially straw man arguments? They're creating a position that we don't hold and then trying to bat, bat it down. So for example, when we say um, vegetarianism is not the same as veganism and they say, you need to be understanding and, and encouraging to vegetarians and, and, and educate them. And it's like, well, that's a straw man. Or baby steps, well, that's a straw man. We understand, you know, there's all these straw man arguments.
2: Well, I think I think generally people are very, Defensive um, and uncomfortable when they confront the questions that uh, that concern their the diet based on animal products. Um, I mean, now looking back at myself, I can't believe I ever happily ate animal products, but I certainly did. Um, I.
1: But also, when we were eating animal products, there was no animal. I mean, there was like nobody challenging us.
2: True, but I knew that they were animals, and I wasn't a stupid person, and I thought I was an enlightened person, and I already cared about morality and justice and all those things, and I was eating animals, so I had to tell myself a lot of fairy stories in order to remain comfortable about that. Now, when confronted with when when the issue just slammed, you know, just came full on fa- in, into my face. It was an easy decision just to become vegan. That wasn't a struggle because it just didn't. There didn't seem to be a reasonable alternative in my mind. There wasn't an alternative that fit with the way I thought about other issues. Um, but but we've got to keep people focused on that. What they believe already and what they believe in other contexts means that they need to go vegan and not throw them the interim sop of vegetarianism with its increased use of dairy and eggs. And so you're probably killing more animals than when you were a straight meat eater. That's that's the problem. I think it's insulting, actually, to the people that we're talking about, that we're, we think that they can't cope with an argument that we are supposed to agree with ourselves. Um, talk to them about it. Um, it may it m- might need a couple of attempts. Um, it might need some backup materials. That's one of the reasons that we did the book. Um, but just listening to you a moment ago, Elizabeth, I don't know if you realize how big a change what you're describing is. Because you're saying, well, I can't do it all myself, and we need you know um, people who have, have spent some time in, with this particular expertise or something. But the charities send out fundraisers, I'm sure you've had many, as I've seen many, that actually say, you can't do it yourself. Send us a contribution so we can do it for you. Send us your donations so we can blah, blah, blah. And then so you write your check out or you make a, a contribution over the phone, or however else you do it. And it's as if, okay, that's that's your bit done. And you can go back and we won't challenge you about anything else. And we'll go and do it for you. But if you're going to do the sort of abolitionist education that you're talking about and that you're engaged in, it's sort of turning the the pyramid over. It's not everyone sending money and contributions to a central thing so they can do something. It's taking a well-formed idea and spreading it out. So once you have that core understanding and you feel comfortable with it and you can communicate it, it just spreads out. So there's Elizabeth with her well-reasoned argument and perhaps some backup materials, and her idea just goes spreads out as far as it's going to go, and someone else will pick it up and spread it again. The dynamic of that is going to be remarkable.
0: Well said, I never thought about that i I, I do remember when I first um. When I was first, I joined Safe. I gave them money, and I gave money to Peter, and I gave money to um, you know these other organizations. And I and and then they sent me um, magazines or something like that. Um, I wasn't vegan, and they nothing told me to, <laughs> no, nothing told me to go vegan. I have to tell you um, just so you can get a little insight. Also, I um, resisted the idea of having to do anything myself. Um, when I first heard about um, Gary's theories and I was on a forum for the movie Earthlings, the Earthlings forum, and people were saying, you have to go out and talk to people about veganism. I was kicking and screaming, oh my gosh, I can't do that. Don't make me do that. There's, there's, there's no way that's gonna happen. I had a really bad negative image of vegan advocacy. I really associated it with Peter and I associated it with screaming at people, a lot of hostility, a lot of yelling, you know yelling through bull horns, a lot of really dangerous, horrible stuff, because that was all I knew about animal rights advocacy because i it was very biased and very uninformed view, but that was the mainstream view that I had, so I was very scared and intimidated, and I thought I cannot do he's right. It made sense. I was like, this guy is right. And I was like, I cannot do it. I just, I'm not going to do that. And I was desperately trying to look for any other way. And there was no other way. And, um, and it wasn't. And then when I heard the debate, um, between, um, Gary Francione and Eric Marcus and he, and he talked about, um, you know, we have to reach the people who do care and they're out there. And I thought, well, that wouldn't be a bad conversation. Talking to someone who was like, I was, Who was open to the idea and who was hungry and said, "Hang on a minute, I really want to learn about this." I was like, "That would be a really worthwhile thing to do." I don't have to go out there and stand and and try to, you know, I don't have to go into a McDonald's and yell through a bullhorn. I don't have to go to a butcher's and try to hassle the butcher. I can go and talk to people. And so that, so it it was difficult, and it and it is, and like Gary's right when he said before about the people are like, "Oh, it's too intimidating," and he's like, "Get over it. You have to do it." Well, that's true. You have to just. Get over it and get out there and do it and i 'm here to tell you and I know you and um, I know you Anna and Gary can agree it 's actually much more positive experience than anyone would ever imagine, going out there and talking to people and finding those people who care. It can be a wonderful day. We have wonderful times. People say, oh my gosh, this makes sense. I really want to go vegan. Give me some recipes. I want to get started. Help me out. And it's not a hostile environment at all, so I really want people to really just give it a go. You, know, you have to get out. You have to get out there and do it. There's no other way. Gary and Anna are right. There's no other way. Yeah, I mean. So I, just I, suck it I up. mean,
1: look. Um... The animal movement is the only movement in the history of the world where the strategy is is geared towards how you accommodate people who don't give a damn. It's like, well, you know, but we've got to have a strategy for everybody who doesn't care. And the answer is, well, why don't you focus on the ones who care? And when you're done focusing on the ones who care and getting them all to be vegans, then we'll try to figure out the strategy for the people who don't care, try to motivate them to care. But if the strategy starts off being let's have a strategy For the people who don't give a damn, uh, I regard that as um, bizarre, to say the very least. Um, I think that's crazy. It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. And so, you know, um, and I I think that a lot of it, you know, I see I I get this on the Facebook site a lot. You know, the idea of people say, yeah, but, you know, what are you going to do about all the people who don't care? Well, the people who don't care don't care. And, you know, if there are, I I actually think there are fewer people who don't care than other people. But the bottom line is there are people out there who don't care. And you know what? They don't care. But there are lots of people who do care. There are lots of people who, when you say to them, you love your dog, why are you eating a pig? No one's ever asked them that question before. Or when they're eating their cheese pizza or their ice cream cone and you say, you know, But you're a feminist. You know, you say to some friend of yours, I've done I've had this conversation a million times with people. And I say, you know, you're a feminist and yet you're eating dairy that raises some really important feminist issues. Do you understand about the commodification of of the female and the commodification of motherhood that's involved in your ice cream cone or your cheese pizza? And people look at you and say, what are you talking about? And you sit down, and you explain it to them. And and you know, do, do all those people go vegan? No. Do some of them? Yup. And then those people talk to people, and those, and as Anna was saying, those people talk to people, and those people talk to people, and that's how an idea, that's how the spark, you know, ignites a flame that leads to a paradigm shift. But you're never going to do it if you're focusing on well, let's wor- let's worry about people who don't give a damn, or you're telling people, oh, you don't need to do anything. What you need to do is write us a check and we'll handle it for you, you know, and we'll we'll fight the worst abuses of factory farming. And, you know, we'll uh, you know, we'll we'll we'll, um, you know, we'll, pro- we'll promote Kohl's or we'll promote, you know, Whole Foods or one of these organizations. That's never going to change anything. Never, ever, 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 ever. That will never change anything. All that's going to do is is reassure all the consumers there. That the animal rights movement is standing there with one big giant stamp of approval and giving them a license, saying to them, give us a donation and we'll let you keep on consuming animal products because we'll promote happy exploitation and you can take advantage of that and you can be an animal person. Just give us the money and we'll clear your conscience and you go ahead and eat that happy meat. You go ahead and eat that happy dairy, those happy eggs. That, in my judgment, is obscene.
0: I agree. It is obscene. And that's that's what we've basically got. So we do have uh, a lot to overturn. But it's it slowly ha- – it it's starting to happen. It's happening. It's, I think it's exponential. I really, really do. I do. I think- and I,
1: I also – Elizabeth, I also think that a lot of the young people, they're not dumb. And they see these organizations for what they are. They realize that these organizations are just – fat charities you know they're bloated charities that um take in lots of money and don't do jack they see that and they're not dumb kids are the, the young people aren't dumb and and i think that they're that's why um we're seeing the reaction to the abolitionist vegan society that we're seeing that's why um, you know uh, eat like you care is selling like nuts uh, because you know because people realize that scene is not going anywhere. People aren't dumb.
0: No, I, I I agree. It's it's a very hopeful time and um I'm thrilled by it and I've I'm lucky enough um in New Zealand to have the opportunity to do to do to do things and um and things like that. So I'm I'm really grateful and it's it's a very rewarding thing to do personally, but even if it wasn't, I mean, sometimes it isn't, we, we, we get some people who are a bit upset, you know, with us, but, um, like any other, if I had a feminist stall and I was standing there talking about women's rights, boy, I actually think I might get a lot more abuse, like you say, um, the, the, yeah, sexism, oh, God, that's a whole nother story, but, um, anyway, I just wanted to, first of all, let's tell everybody, um, where we can find this book, so, how is where is the best place for them for anyone? Well, I or- guess the
1: best the best single. So, if you go to um, eatlikeyoucarebook.com, dot then that's a sort of a portal that's got uh, you can get the print version and all the e versions. It sort of collects um, what what uh, you know the various sources uh that are available to get the book and also through that you can get to our create space site where we actually um are trying to keep the price down on the book um and we're going to keep the two dollars off uh through january at least and so people can people can get the book we're trying to make it really accessible to people we're also by the way I i don't think i mentioned this to you before but um we have a spanish translation in the works we have a german translation in the works um and uh, and a French translation in the works. and uh, there are some other one other people are talking to us. Um, as a matter of fact, um, while I was, uh, while I, while I've been on this uh, call with you, I got an email from someone who wants to do a Slovenian translation of the book. Uh, there's a Romanian translation of it that's being prepared. So, um, but if you go to eatlikecarebook.com, then you can get to the print version, you get to our CreateSpace site, you can get to any of the, you know, the Kindle version, the iBook version, the Nook version, whatever. It's a sort of a central place and it will get you to where you want to go in, in the, the version of the The book that you want. Um, Our website is abolitionistapproach.com and we have the abolitionist approach to animal rights Facebook site. Um, And that's really, you know, we used to on the on the um on our website, we used to have a forum where we engaged people, but we we closed down the forum and sort of moved the discussion over to the Facebook site. And the Facebook site, it's interesting. Um, I'm looking at it right now. Um, it has it has thirty-seven thousand two hundred ninety-one people, and um, I, I think uh, last year we were in single digits, weren't we? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I mean, so this thing is growing, li- and, and and that's not there's not one paid boost, not one single paid boost. Those are all real likes, and that's happened really in a period of about a year, and so um, I think people are hungry for this. I really do. I think I think I think people are really excited about it, um, and I think that you know. You got to keep doing what you're doing in New Zealand, and 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 um, you know the other people who are working with tabs, and and you know the the single you know the the solo grassroots activists who are downloading abolitionist approach pamphlets and handing them out at the shopping mall or whatever. You know um, the people who are bringing food. You know that I mean, I, food activism is very important. When you show up someplace and you've got you know vegan cupcakes and vegan cookies and stuff, and you you know and and you you reassure people that you know being a vegan doesn't mean you eat styro foam. Um, and you know, and that, that in fact, um, you know, there's really good stuff to eat and, and it's not, you know, it's nothing weird. There's nothing weird about it. It's just, you know, I mean, what's weird about it is that we're, you know, we all love animals or we say we love animals while we're exploiting them. That's weird. Um, and you know, and we're trying to just sort of shift the paradigm and get people to see things, um, with a different set of eyes and, and, but we can do this. I mean, I look, I'm convinced, you know, in, if in 1985, uh, in the United States, we had um, we had chosen the strategy of veganism as a moral baseline and put all of our resources into vegan advocacy, which what I was arguing in 1985 uh, that we should do that. If we had done that, we'd have that 10% now, we'd be having a different discussion. And, and so, so you, so you know what, let's not mess up the next 20 or 30 years, you know, so what we've made, you know, we made some major mistakes by, by handing the idea over to these bloated animal welfare corporations. We've, we screwed up. Okay, fine. So, you know what, you know, let's not. Continue screwing up. Let's forget about them. Let's move forward and let's put our our time and resources and energy into creative, nonviolent vegan advocacy. And let's you know, w- maybe we won't get to ten percent, you know, in my lifetime, but we'll get to ten percent in your lifetime. Um, and and you know, and 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 that'll change conversation. We can do this. Uh, the one thing I'm convinced of is we can do this, and the time is right. And and you know, look. This is an important social justice issue. There are people starving to death today. There are human beings who are starving to death today. I don't if you don't care anything about animals, you've got to, if you just care about human rights, you've got to see that this whole issue of animal agriculture is is horribly unjust as a result, you know, because people in in, you know, in rich countries have an have a, have a diet of animal foods, they condemn condemn a substantial portion of the world's population to starvation. It's wrong. This is a human rights issue. It's an animal rights issue. It's a it's a planetary issue. It's a global warming issue. It's a health issue. All of these things. They all point in the in the in the direction with the with the moral pointer being the most the with the justice slash moral pointer being the most important one. It's wrong to do, and we all know it's wrong to do. So let's stop. Let's stop all the nonsense and let's stop all that. Well, I'm on my journey and, you know, i got to be on my journey and blah, blah, blah. let's stop the journey nonsense, you know, which is another way of saying, uh, I realize something is wrong, but I'm not willing to stop it. Let's take morality seriously. Let's change things.
0: Fantastic. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I hope everyone is inspired now to to, to do more. Um, and those who haven't done anything, please Give it a go. Um, just there's lots of examples on on the abolitionist approach Facebook page as well. Um, you can see advocacy in action, and it doesn't. You don't have to have a tent. You don't have to have an event. You don't have to have a festival. There are people who are just doing it, and like Anna said before, this is an idea that we are spreading socially, and it works that way. This is how ideas spread like wildfire. So I mean, I mean even, two
1: weeks two weeks ago. I was on um, Breaking the Set, which is syndicated all over the world. I had 15 minutes with Abby Martin, who's a remarkably bright woman, um, a very politically progressive woman who's starting to get interested in this issue. And so she she got so so I got 15 minutes and and she got educated about the fact that not everybody who is into this is a PETA person who wants to take off their clothes and go naked rather than wear fur or or who wants to give an award to a slaughterhouse designer or, you know, who I mean, she, she got a chance to see that there are that there are progressive people who share this idea. We have this idea.
0: Yeah, that was fantastic.
2: And one thing that I think is refreshing and encouraging for people who are interested in this issue is that. I don't know about you, Elizabeth, but it all gets a bit overwhelming sometimes, all the things that we all know need to be fixed. And I personally can't do much about banks that are big, too big to fail or a political system that is not responsive to its electorate or, or the, the ship of state that's too um, stuck on one route to turn around very easily. But I can make a difference in this arena. If I stop the demand, they will grow something else. They're only killing animals because I ask them to. And it's, it's, a, it's somewhere where you can, it's refreshing. You're making a difference. You're not, an animal is not being killed to satisfy the demand that you are creating by your food choices. That's wonderful. So, I mean, I think everyone should take a deep breath and go and see if someone else feels the same way.
1: Absolutely. And I
2: don't know what world you live in, but I get called names in the parking lot if there's a fight over a parking space. There's no woman on this planet who hasn't had, had a, a rude comment thrown at her some sometime in her life. We, we all live. So if someone doesn't agree with you, go on to the next person. Just go and do it.
1: Hell, if I if I if I responded to rude comments, I would have closed up shop a long time ago. I mean, I get zillions of them, and um, from people who mistake me for somebody who cares about their rude comments. But you know, and one other thing, and then um, we will we will leave you in peace. And that is, um, in addition to going vegan and not eating, wearing, or using animals, it's really important for people to understand we got a lot of domestic animals on the planet as a result of our bad moral decisions. And, um, and people ought to adopt or foster, um, animals of any species that they can. So, you know, dogs, cats, rabbits, birds, you know, if you have land and you can, you can, you can provide a home for, for farm animals. Great. But adopt and foster animals of as many animals as you can, because we owe it to them. They're in this mess because of us. And, and so, you know, that's something else you can do, you know, and, you know, you can, you can change the universe. For, you know, you can say, well, you know, what's, what's, the, what's, what, what's the difference if I adopt one dog? The answer is for that one dog, you've changed the entire universe. For that one hamster, you've changed the entire universe. You've given, you, you've, you've allowed that animal to keep what is most important to her or him. And that is his or her life. And so, um, you know, I think that's really, really important. Adopt and foster. Go vegan. Adopt, foster, and educate everybody you can. Don't let a day go by that you don't talk to somebody about veganism. And you know what? All of us, you know, I mean, I guess there are people who live in situations where they don't see other people ever. But most of us live in situations where we come into contact with people every single day. There is not a day that goes by. There is not a day that of my life where I haven't talked to somebody. During the day, about going vegan.
0: Well, there you go, and it is it, both of the things that you said now are ways for people to make a difference, to ma- actually make a difference, and really see it. When you adopt or give refuge or foster a non-human refugee, you have saved their life. You have saved someone's life, and going vegan also saves lives. So those are powerful messages and very well put. Um, I hope that everybody listening realizes how how much how active. The abolitionist vegan uh, movement is. It is an active movement, but it is not engaged in useless activity, which the welfareist movement is. So it's the movement to get behind, definitely. And buy the book, please eat like you care. Go to eat like you care book.com, like you care book, all one word.com, and just check it out. And I really look forward to the next ones that, you go, that you're going to be doing. I'm so excited to hear that. I'm um, really, really, really great.
1: Well, thank you, for, thank you for having us and keep, keep up the great work in New Zealand and, uh, and the other work that you're doing, educating people all over the planet. So, you know, that's the beautiful thing about the Internet is that it's lowered the opportunity cost of communication. We no longer have to depend on the major media outlets or on these large organizations to communicate with each other. We have the Internet and we can form uh, these communities without their aid, assistance, censorship and permission. So let's do that. Let's change the world.
0: Very good. Thank you so much, Gary, and thank you so much, Anna. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Elizabeth.
1: Thank you, Elizabeth. Thanks for having us.